Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Dr. Kevin Vost. Kevin is the author of 20 books, including How to Think Like Aquinas and has taught psychology at Aquinas College in Nashville, Tennessee. He is also a member of the Research Review Committee for American Mensa, which promotes the scientific study of human intelligence. And uh, we're going to talk about Kevin's new book that just came out, A Catholic Guide to Health and Holiness, You Are That Temple. Kevin, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me on, Deacon. So when I told my wife what we were going to talk about, she actually laughed because um, health is probably, if you, you think of the word health and my name probably doesn't pop up. Uh, we do exercise every day and do stuff, but in terms of uh, being cognizant of it, it was it was good to read the book because it was uh, something that I needed to read. Oh well, I'm happy if it, if it was helpful in any way. Yeah, so you know it's it's interesting, um, and you, you know you mentioned in the very beginning, and it's a reminder to all of us, right? Our body is you know the temple of the Holy Spirit, but you know really health and holiness do go hand in hand. And if, you know, we ignore the gift of our physical body that we've been given, then, you know, how much are we really appreciative of what God's given us, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, when our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, it is a call to properly care for our bodies. And and I've written a couple books in the past that touch on what I call then faith and fitness. And they had a very strong emphasis on making our bodies, you know, physically fit, which is which is still in this book. But I moved to the broader area of what we're calling health and holiness. We're not talking about, you know, just a capacity that you can run miles or lift some huge weight or something, but just so we're properly maintaining our bodies, trying to minimize the chances of getting any diseases that are going to slow us down. And so that we're going to hopefully feel good and have energy and be able to use our bodies to, to serve our families and to serve the people. You know, and it's interesting, and you talk about really early in the book, and, you know, of course, now, how can you not talk about the pandemic we just went through? Um, But it's interesting, when you go through the chapter that you wrote, uh, you know, it it really did shine a light on, you know, when we're not healthy, and especially when it comes to obesity and other things, then we become more susceptible when these viruses attack us, don't we? Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, sometimes they, they call them, you know, underlying uh, comorbidities, and it really does make us more susceptible. So I, I kind of started since we were when I was writing this, we were freshly coming out of that pandemic, you know, with some statistics, you know, from the CDC itself, showing how we're more vulnerable if we have some underlying diseases, including uh, obesity. And I, I kind of zoom in on obesity uh, first, because it just kind of coincided that we've had this epidemic. We've, we've had like a tripling in of our, our rates of obesity over the last uh, 40 or 50 years or so. And uh, I happen to work my full-time career in the disability evaluation field for Social Security, doing um, mental and physical disability claims. And I did that from 1984 until I retired in 2016. And it occurred to me that almost paralleled the rise of these epidemics and things including uh, obesity, uh, diabetes, and fatty uh, liver disease. So I had a really kind of a, a unique uh, uh, viewpoint of being able to read thousands and thousands of people's medical records as we went through, saw these rising epidemics in chronic conditions, 
you know, before the COVID hit us and, and really hit us hard. Well, and it is it is a good reminder. And it's interesting, you know, you'll go on social media and it's not uncommon to see somebody post a picture of people at a beach 50 years ago versus people at a beach, you know, now. And the size of the people look like they've doubled. Yes, yes. I, I think they say like, you know, the average adult now is something like 25 pounds more than what we weighed 30 or 40 years ago. It's been really significant. And, and I should point out too, you know, but certainly though, though I address obesity and, and if you include the category of overweight, it's almost three out of four Americans now. So the idea is certainly not like to point any fingers at people or, so, you know, but to explain, you know, why has this gone on, you know, and what can we do to make a real difference? You know, the other thing that's interesting, you know, when you when you talk about the pandemic and, and COVID and all the things that have gone on, right, there was this and even and unfortunately, even the church got involved in, you know, forcing people to take these shots and, and to do things that people who really do care about their bodies didn't feel comfortable doing. And, you know, and now we're seeing that the shots really weren't what they were made out to be. You know, there was a lot of misinformation from the CDC and different people in our government. And so it does make people hesitant, right, to kind of trust in the medical profession when when we hear all these things and these, you know, if you take the shot, then that means you love other people. You won't be able to spread it. You won't get sick. And really, those weren't true. So loving our body does mean discerning what we put in our body as well, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. That's a point so well made. And, and I agree with all of that. I remember, you know, hearing the pandemic, one of the, the, the catchphrases from the government was follow the science, follow the science. And, and people who really look at the scientific method, you know, science is always a matter of, of being careful and being questioning and not assuming you understand more than you actually do. So, so I really do think we jumped the gun there uh, on many of the recommendations and practices during COVID. And as we were going through this, I was doing extensive research in nutrition, and I kind of saw a parallel that goes back to the late 70s and the early 80s, where I think some of the official guidance on how we should be eating within the United States and other developed countries of the world may have actually given rise to this epidemic in obesity and diabetes. So again, and it was a case of making particular recommendations before there was actually strong scientific evidence to back that up, primarily recommending that we should shift away from a diet that had a fair amount of fats to a diet that was heavily uh, loaded with carbohydrate. You know, it's one of those, you know, if you wait long enough, then whatever you shouldn't eat, you would, you need to eat. It's kind of like clothing, right? If you wait long enough, things come back in style. And it does, it does make people suspicious when when they do that and you even mentioned in your book you talk about the fda and different things that it's not necessarily that people are eating more and i think you just alluded to it it's it's what they're eating that really can contribute to this obesity and eating more obviously is a problem but what we eat does matter as well yeah it sure does and and for me how jeff one of the, the main findings came from a, a recent uh Journal of the American Medical Association article where they were surveying the way children and adolescents in the United States eat. And they said, even back to 1999, it said like 61% of what they ate was like ultra processed food, you know, all this packaged foods, which, which our grandparents couldn't have eaten because they didn't exist. So 61% in 1999, 
when they updated the data 15 years later in 2014, it was up to 67%. So more than two thirds of the food that, that children are eating are these you know, ultra processed foods. They're not foods in their natural state. And, and I believe, and many people believe that is the main contributor to obesity. Yeah, not just that we're eating just so much more, but the kinds of food we're eating are not nourishing us properly and making us hungry and making us crave more to, and eat more. Does that hold true with, you know, I mean, we see how many people are gluten intolerant now. And, you know, when I was growing up, I never even heard of it. I mean, everybody ate everything and it didn't seem to be an issue. But now, I mean, so many people, you know, they, they can't eat, you know, the milk products, they can't eat the gluten products. Is that a result of eating foods that, um, those packaged foods that you're talking about that made our bodies unable to uh, deal with that? Yeah, and for, for wheat in particular, I mean, there's different theories there. Some people say the way our, our, our wheat has been hybrid and engineered over the last several decades, you know, may play a role. But another factor, yeah, could well be that, you know, that when we're eating most of our like products made from wheat now, they're highly refined. They're stripping off the natural grains. Uh, they're making it so your body absorbs the, the starches in it, converts them to sugar very quickly. They're robbed of vitamins. So that food processing could well be related to, yeah, many of these problems that I agree. When I grew up, I never heard of gluten insensitivity or even peanut insensitivity. Those things were real and they were there, but they're far more prevalent today. And one of the things that is just exceedingly prevalent is what they're calling, uh, we call metabolic syndrome where you have things like you know, increased uh, obesity, but especially around the, the middle, around the, the waist, because there's fat in the uh, internal organs, um, uh, insulin resistance, which can lead to diabetes, this metabolic syndrome, they see now it's almost nine out of 10 Americans have at least one symptom of it. And that can very likely be traced to the significant changes in our diet where we went from just, you know, real foods that that stuff in the outside aisle of the grocery store where the vegetables and fruits and dairy and, and meat and eggs and stuff are where we've moved so much to those interior aisles with all those, you know, man-made manufactured foods. You know, you also talk about in the book, which I think it's important to remind people, uh, you know, the focus on ment physical, mental and spiritual health and really how they all depend on each other. Right. If you ignore one, the other suffer. Right. Oh, exactly. And this again, you know, Deacon, this is one thing I, I marvel at the wisdom of the Catholic Church, because it's always taught, you know, that the body is good, that we are body and soul unities. You know, we're both. And even, uh, when, you know, after we die, the soul is separated from the body. But when Christ comes again at the final judgment throughout eternity, we're going to be reunited with, with bodies. So those bodies, you know, they, they are important and we'll always have, you know, a body in eternity after the, the final judgment. So it's important that, that we care for it, tend for it properly. And I even love a saying from St. Thomas Aquinas where he says, you know, Jesus told us to love God with all we are and our neighbor as ourself. Well, Thomas, you know, breaks this down part by part. He said, when we're told to love ourselves, he says that includes the love of our bodies, not only our souls. Well, and I think that it's, it's important to remember that because when you think of physical, mental, and spiritual health, right, sometimes it's easy to kind of compartmentalize them when in reality, you know, they're, they're all interdependent. And when our mental health is good, right, that, that can definitely affect our spiritual health. And when we don't exercise and when our body feels blah, 
right? It makes makes everything in our life feel that way as well. And you kind of talk about that when you talk about uh, the importance of exercise, right? And how that not only affects us, but we think clearer, right? We have a better cognitive ability. It really does affect our entire being. Oh, yeah, it sure does. You know, my, my, my uh, hobby throughout my life has been strength training, weightlifting, bodybuilding activities like that. And then my professional academic training was a doctoral degree in clinical uh, psychology. So I've always been interested in the, the intertwinings there. But even in recent years, uh, studies have shown more and more able to pinpoint particular you know, chemicals in the brain, particular hormones that are stimulated by exercise that, yeah, that improve our mood, that make us feel more stable, less likely to be anxious or depressed. And then also, especially as we get older, this regular exercise produces chemicals that can keep us more sharp, you know, can help us retain our, our memories and thinking abilities as we get older. So, yes, it's so, so very much uh, intertwined. And when we feel more mentally stable, we're more likely to feel like to get out there and exercise in some way, even if it's just taking taking care of our, our, our yard. But yeah, it's all intertwined. The more we take care of our bodies too, the likely, the better we're going to feel uh, mentally. Well, it's kind of like, you know, when there, there's such a thing at least, you know, as a good tired, right? When you've worked out and done things, it's, it's a good tire. You tend to sleep better, right? But if it's a laziness or slothfulness, then there's just kind of a blah about you and you don't sleep as well. And it, it, it just affects kind of how your whole day goes. It's, you know, the old saying, no pain, no gain, right? If we're not willing to put in the effort, then don't expect the results. Well, that, that's exactly right. We have this parallel, yeah, between exercise and rest. And there's this kind of a similar parallel between fasting and feasting, you know? There are times to take in the nutrients and there's time to abstain and let the body rest and process all that. But that's exactly right. So, so yeah, so part of that, part of maintaining our, our bodies properly is getting that right rhythm of the right balance of exercise and rest and also time when we are eating, time when we're not eating, because that can be one of the perils of exercise is that sometimes people will think they need to do a lot more than they actually do. Uh, so they may exercise to the point where, where they're fatigued and, and don't have the energy to do the important things in their daily lives. And I recall when I first researched this, uh, Pope Pius Twelfth, when which I speak to groups of athletes, and he had a beautiful quotation where he said the Catholic Church approves of physical culture, you know, which is care of the body, you know, absolutely, as long as it remains in proper proportion. And then he tells us several things what he means by that, like it doesn't lead to worship of the body. It doesn't take time away from other commitments. And he also says, it should energize you rather than drain you. So I think he he was just right on there. Well, and you, you touched on fasting, right? And fasting is a way to kind of say that, you know, our intellect is in, is in charge, that, you know, our desires don't rule us. And so when we fast and keep ourselves from something, right, it should help strengthen, and obviously, our spiritual life. But it helps give us control, that, that control that we need. Because if you watch commercials or any kind of advertisements, it's eat this, eat this, do whatever you want, whatever makes you feel good. And in the end, what, makes you, what may make you feel good for a few seconds can be very detrimental in the long term. Well, that, that's exactly right. And yeah, fasting is something else with a big impact at all the three levels of the physical body, our cognitive, intellectual, you know, emotional functioning, and then the spiritual as well. Uh, and, and I will admit, through, through my history 
uh, in bodybuilding and weightlifting, I was, was fasting was something we were always afraid of. We thought you, you have to be giving your body protein every every three hours or something, or you're going to waste away everything you developed. But in recent years, I realized, you know, God God made our bodies so beautifully that it doesn't really work that way. We are quite able to maintain health if we go for periods of time uh, without eating. You know, during those times, our body knows how to use our own fat, which many of us, you know, including myself at times, have too much stored up. We can use that for, for energy. So, so yeah, just recently, I, I've realized in more depth the, the real power of fasting in terms of the body, uh, mind, and spirit. But I will say for myself, in terms of just the health focus, the way I do it, it, it mostly is just in terms of what they call time-restricted eating. So mm-hmm. so normally now myself, I just I stop eating at about 5.30 p.m., and then I don't eat again until after my workout the next morning. So maybe, you know, 7.30 or 8 a.m. So for myself, it's mainly just going about 14 hours or so between nighttime and breakfast. And then uh, then I'll have some days I will skip lunch, but most days I will have lunch. And then just eliminating the need for, for snacking. So just two or three solid meals a day. Well, that, you know, I, I find as I get older that if I eat much later than 530, I don't even sleep because my, my uh, digestive system like is like, hey, whoa, 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 you ate too late kind of thing. So, you know, sometimes I do that at a, at a necessity. But, yeah, you're right. It, it You know, it is, you know, it's kind of mind over matter. And we have to make sure that we we through our intellect rule our lives, not let our desires, our passions. And, you know, you talk about the vices of gluttony and sloth and. You know, those I sure sure come to people's minds when they're thinking about, uh, you know, obesity and other things. But they are real vices that that can lead us in a in a way that hurts us spiritually, mentally, and physically. Oh yes, exactly. You know, the the real vices there, like with with, uh, with sloth. Some people think of terms of just being lazy, but no, it really means you know. Uh, 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 not caring about the things of God. So you could have an exercise fanatic who's all moving around constantly, who's slothful in regards to spiritual things. Uh, and in regards to uh, gluttony, I mean, that, that's a real problem. If we don't control our eating long for a long time, the church has taught it can lead to other, uh, you know, bodily problems, problems of lust, controlling our other passions. So, so those are real serious issues that, but in this book, I try to point out that I don't think though, that that's, they're necessarily the cause of our obesity epidemic, you know? So in other words, I'm not saying that if a person's heavy, oh, they must be gluttonous or they must be slothful. I don't think so at all. I think it goes back to the way, the kind of foods that we have switched to eating they tend to, they're not satisfying, so they make us hungrier. So they, they stimulate what we might call gluttonous behavior. And they also, because they're not nourishing us, we're, we're tired. So we don't feel like being as physically active. So, so that's the way I look at it, at it there. That, um, so if we do start eating the kind of foods God made for us, we will probably find and have an easier time of reigning in our appetites and just you know, eating in a sensible way. And we'll probably actually naturally feel uh, more physically uh, active, like getting out there and doing things. Well, I think that's why it's good that you mentioned that in the book, because it, it may not be a direct correlation, but it is something that we should all be aware of that we don't fall into that because it's easy to kind of slip into it. It's not like one day, you know, you're, you're living, everything's great. And all of a sudden you fall into it. It's, it's a little by little and it can affect us that way. But as you mentioned before, it can affect us mentally, spiritually. And so we really need to focus on all three. It's kind of like, you know, the, the Trinity of, 
of our health, that physical, mental, and spiritual, and those vices can attack one or all at the same time. Oh, oh, absolutely. You know, we're, we're body soul composites and, you know, the, the devil knows that and we're vulnerable on multiple fronts, but it's just amazing what can be done when they all work together. So like, like even for myself on the physical level, I'm, I'm 61 now and I've lifted weights since about second grade. So I've always stayed with that and, and done running and things. But even a couple of years ago, my, my body weight had gotten up into what's considered the obesity range, you know, though some of that was muscle, but, but my waistline was also a, a risk factor. My blood pressure was high, even though I was doing all this exercise training and eating kind of according to the standard recommendations. But two years ago, it is when I changed the way of eating, eating more of the real foods, reducing all the, the sugars and the excess carbohydrate, that it had a drastic impact on my health. My blood pressure dropped, my waistline dropped, my body weight dropped. So, so just the exercise alone was not enough without a proper diet. Well, and we see, you know, all kind of bad diets come out of there. And sometimes people treat them like they're magic. But it, it really is important to have a mindset and an understanding of what's healthy, not healthy, right? It's not go to from this bad diet to that fad diet that may work for a month or two, and then you end up weighing more than you did before you started after, you know, another few months after that. That's exactly right. So part of the goal of this book is, is just kind of, you know, to think more in terms of an eating lifestyle, eating natural foods, foods that agree with you, and actually foods that that you enjoy. And for different people, that's going to look differently. Like myself, I, I'm probably under 50 grams of carbohydrate a day in my body thrives on that. But some people can tolerate a lot more. Some people can tolerate even a little bit less. So it's kind of a matter of yeah, not making drastic changes in your diet, but moving primarily more towards just, you know, those real normal natural foods and seeing what impact that it has on you over time. Well, I think it is. It's it's a good reminder, and it, it, it's helpful. You know, when you see a book like that, because it, it the book you put out, it, it helps put things in perspective. You know, when you, you sometimes you think it's all your fault, but in the, in the end, if you're not sure what you're eating or what you're eating, ha what effect it has on you, then sometimes that that ignorance factor and not of anything people did wrong, right, can really cause problems. Yeah. And, as we talked about, we saw that with COVID, right? And that, and it won't, COVID won't be the last thing that comes down the pipe. So, you know, forewarned is forearmed when you read this book. Well, I appreciate that. And that, that was part of the goal, you know, not like I'm claiming here, I have all the answers on health and fitness, but, but here's some, you know, things worth looking about, looking into uh, and thinking about, and hopefully people will find, you know, some ideas in it that might prove helpful in their own lives. Well, you know, I actually saw you were on a uh, a segment of Journey of Journey Home with uh, Marcus Grodi, and you talked about how yeah. you were raised Catholic, uh, you became an atheist and came back into the church. How did coming back and 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 bringing Christ back into your life change your perspective on this? Yeah, it sure did. Because yeah, I was an atheist from about the ages of eighteen to forty three until the Holy Spirit, the writings of Saint Thomas Aquinas. Uh, brought me back, but and that was in 2004. But yeah, oh, since that time, yeah, my my whole way of looking at the body ha has totally changed. You know, from just a focus on you know wanting to be perceived as strong and muscular to trying to you know properly care for the body and hopefully to energize it so so I'm able to go out there and do the things I'm supposed to do. You know, as a father and now as a grandfather, I want I want to be there for I want to be there for them. 
So that's another motivation to take proper care of the body. And then that just, you know, fully came home when I came back to the church and, and became immersed as an adult into the profound Catholic teaching, you know, on the value of our physical bodies and our intellects and our immortal souls. Well, and I think it is, you know, it's important. I would, I would imagine that, you know, when we have, you know, if somebody who goes from being an atheist to bringing Christ back into their life, there's an added motivation there, right? Then that your body, you know, is, is a temple of the Holy Spirit makes sense. And, we have that gift at our baptism. So how are we going to treat that gift? If we don't believe in God, we're not right. So it, it really is. It gives us added motivation and, and it helps us to refocus our lives and probably makes us even work harder because when we're doing stuff for Jesus, it tends to, you know, light a little fire. In us. Oh, oh, exactly. You know, like w- before I came back to church, I remember though, I liked the, the Greek and Roman philosophers and their culture of a healthy mind and a healthy body, you know, so I was aware of that. And when I wrote my first first fitness book, Fit for Eternal Life, I kind of built it mostly around the four cardinal virtues, you know, like like fortitude is, is either overcoming or enduring difficulties, obstacles. I thought, well, that's like strength training. You overcome difficult obstacles, endurance training, you endure them. Well, temperance involves, you know, reining ourselves in, self-control. So that applies to diet. I thought, well, prudence is practical wisdom that's like putting things together, like crafting a proper kind of diet and exercise schedule for, for your own life you, so you can still meet whatever commitments uh, you, know, you have. And then in terms of justice, giving each person their right will do, I thought, well, we need to pay attention to special groups. Like what are the special and health needs of, of women or of older people or, or of children? So, so I thought, well, that's all in good. And I would have thought that before I came back to the church. But when I came back, I realized, you know, we, we have these three infused theological virtues that were given at our baptism, strength and confirmation of faith, hope, and love or charity. And I love the way Thomas Aquinas writes about that love or charity is the highest, the overarching of all the virtues. So, yeah, when we come back to Christ, when we love love God, then it's going to be that love, that charity. We're going to try to love God with our you know heart and strength and mind and soul in our neighbor as ourselves. So it's going to transform everything, you know, so we're training our bodies, not just to ourselves, but so we can put them in honor God with them and serve our neighbor with them. Well, we're down to the last few seconds and we're talking to Dr. Kevin Vost and his book is a Catholic guide to health and holiness put out by Sophia Institute press. Kevin, how can people follow what you're doing and how can people find the book? Yeah, well, my own website's uh, drvost.com, just D-R-V-O-S-T dot com. And the book is, yeah, from Sophia Institute Press, so sophiainstitutepress.com, and, and perhaps your local Catholic bookstore could get it or, or from other online sellers. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.